lesson for this Sunday is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the fourth chapter. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherence adherence of the law that are to be heirs, faith is null, the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise. The Holy Gospel from John, chapter 3. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him 
may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is from the Gospel reading, John chapter 3, especially these words. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. A visiting volleyball player is struck by a speeding car and suffers severe life-changing injuries. Another speeding car hits a vehicle so hard it throws it off a bridge and kills four. Or closer to home, in Dupo, a man goes on a rampage, killing another man and seriously injuring a police officer, and eventually kills himself. What can we say about all this senseless violence? Is there any place where we're safe? Our text today comes at the end of a conversation that Jesus is having with a man named Nicodemus who wants to be safe. Nicodemus had come to Jesus. He was a Pharisee, well-educated, political, religious leader of the Jews, in a position of authority, a member of the Jewish ruling council. And the Pharisees, including Nicodemus, considered themselves to be deeply religious people. Nicodemus comes with a question. He comes at night when no one can see him talking to Jesus. He knows Jesus is a great teacher, but he doesn't understand much more than that. He doesn't understand what Jesus really is. The Jews of his day were waiting for the Messiah to come, but they had not recognized Jesus as the promised one. He wants to know how he can be sure that he will be saved from his sins. He wants to be safe. He thinks he's done everything that he needs to do, but he just wants to be sure he's safe. Jesus answers Nicodemus by telling him of an Old Testament event. The Israelites were in the wilderness, being led by Moses from slavery in Egypt to the land that God had promised to them. And along the way, in spite of everything that God had done for them, they sinned against him. Repeatedly, they doubted God. This time they were complaining about food and water even though God was providing it for them. They're in the middle of a desert, and each morning God provided for them bread, manna from heaven. All they had to do was go pick it up. And in the evening, quail covered the earth, and yet they were complaining. Eventually, they questioned whether or not God was doing what was best for them. They wondered aloud if it had not been better for them to remain slaves in Egypt. 
God sends them a wake-up call. Poisonous snakes invade the camp. Many people are bitten and they die. Finally, they realize they're getting what they deserve for their sin against God. And, and now, now they're sorry for their sin. And they come to Moses and they beg that he would intercede with God and beg for God's mercy. God does show mercy to them. He directs Moses to make a snake out of bronze and to lift it up on a pole. And all who have been bitten by the poisonous snakes, when they look at the bronze snake on a pole, they will survive. They will be saved by God's mercy. And they realize they're being saved by God, not by the bronze snake, but it's God who uses this means to save them. Jesus explains to Nicodemus that same type of thing will happen again. All people, like the Israelites of the Old Testament, have disobeyed God, including you and me. And the punishment for sin is death. Like the Israelites who died of the poisonous snakes, sin has poisoned us to death. Not just physical death either, but eternal death in hell. But God shows his mercy to us and to all people. Instead of getting what we deserve for our sin, God saves us from our sin. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The Son of Man, God's Son Jesus, will be lifted up, not on a pole, but on a cross. His death on the cross is not for anything he has done, for he has lived a perfect life. But he takes the punishment that you and I and all people deserve for our sin. So that our sins are forgiven. The price of our sin having been paid by Jesus on the cross. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Looking at that cross, that is trusting Jesus, saves us. All who believe that they are sinners, who are sorry for their sin, confess that sin to God, and believe that Jesus' death on the cross was payment for their sins, all those sins, every sin, has been forgiven by God. And we have his promise that in death we will pass from life in this world to an eternal life with God in heaven. That's true safety, believing in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that changes the way you live. It changed Nicodemus. Later, when Jesus had died on the cross, he went and claimed the body and laid the body of Jesus in the tomb. That changes the way we live. And showing our faith in Jesus is what we do and say, and sharing that faith with others. Could things have been different these past few weeks? What if somebody had given thought to the welfare of others before driving recklessly? Or could things have been different if someone had reached out to an angry person, if someone had taken responsibility to watch out for their neighbor or had compassion? and understanding in the name of Jesus? 
Because you see, ultimately, only faith in Jesus changes things in our world. From ways of evil and violence to peace, forgiveness, and safety. And that starts with each and every one of us. As Pastor Walther said last week, addressing the evil that fills our world and makes us feel unsafe begins with addressing the evil that is in us. And that can only happen when you and I live our faith in Jesus, confessing our sins, being strengthened in our faith in Jesus by his holy word, and sharing that faith with others. In the words from God's word that we speak, the way that we live our lives and show God's love to others. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in the weeks ahead to share your faith. Between now and Easter, invite someone to come to church with you. Share your faith in Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers to all the questions that they might ask. Just tell them to come and see. Share your faith with someone. True faith makes, our, makes us live our lives differently from the rest of the world. And there's no better way to show that difference than to share God's love in Jesus with someone else. Faith in Jesus is what ultimately brings us safety and peace, even in the violence of the world that we live in. Share your faith with others. Make a difference in someone's life. Amen. May the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.